they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday. Today is the 14th day of May, and um, we're actually celebrating a feast day today, a feast of one of the apostles, Matthias. He took the place, right? Right. Does anybody remember who Matthias is? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, St. Matthias is the one who was, uh, um, was chosen by the Holy Spirit um, to take the place of Judas. Yep. So we're going to talk a little bit about Matthias today and his being chosen, and then we want to talk about um, fruit. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to bear fruit. The Lord gave his apostles a command at the Last Supper to go and bear fruit, and that fru- fruit should endure. So we want to talk about these things and learn what it is that the Lord asks of us for today and every day of our life. So thank you for joining us. And um, are we still on um, Stations of the Cross? Are they yes, still yeah, yeah. we still got that. And, and YouTube took us down. But I want to say I'm glad to be back. I was babysitting our grandson the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so it was a joy to do that. But I'm glad to be back here. And uh, again, anything, you know, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Right. And so here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we have a Bible study that you can share with your friends to say, you know, come once a week. You can listen to the podcast. Because so many Catholics say to me, I just need a good Bible study. Yeah. And I that's want to study we... the Bible. You know, it's our book. It's our heirloom. It's our family heirloom, and it is a Catholic book. It's the Catholic Church that put the Bible together. Um, God revealed the Word, and He gave the Holy Spirit to the Church to guide the Church in deciding which books belonged in the Bible, which were actually inspired and were um, written under the, um, authored under the authorship of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the primary author, but He used human authors to write the words. So we want to talk first about. I want to talk a little about Matthias and how he was chosen. Okay, so in the Acts of the Apostles. Acts 1, 15 through 17, and then 20 through 26 was the first reading for today. Mm-hmm. And again, we have the authority of Peter. Peter stands up among the brethren here. I'm not going to read the whole reading. And he says, you know, look, um, the, the scriptures had to be fulfilled. And the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand through David concerning Judas. Okay. Judas was the one who guided those who arrested Jesus. And he was, he was numbered among the apostles. Jesus had chosen him. But he was allotted a share in their ministry. But then what? It says in the book of Psalms, let his encampment encampment be desolate and may no one dwell in it and may another take his office. So Judas had an office in the church, an office that was given by the office of bishop. And um, he wasn't faithful. So Peter then gives the, um, what is necessary? Someone is to replace him. We need someone to replace him. But that person had to be among us the whole time that the Lord Jesus came among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us. That means the ascension. Mm-hmm. In, order to, in order to be a witness to the resurrection. So they, they prayed and they decided, well, there are two men here who were um, with us the whole time. One of them is, um, it's interesting, he has three names he goes by. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice. So for some reason, Joseph was called Barsabbas and was also known as Justice. And I didn't research that because today's feast is Matthias and Matthias. So the two that were chosen were those two. And then they prayed and they said, okay, Lord, you know the hearts of every man. Mm -hmm. Who have you chosen 
So you see, in the church, it's not about what is my opinion or Mm -hmm. what is... Peter wants to do only what the Lord wants. He's leading the church, but he's leading the church where the Lord wants it to go. And so by lot, they choose Matthias. And Matthias becomes the one who takes the office of Judas. Mm. And he's he's added to the 11. So now again, there are 12 apostles, 12 bishops of the Catholic Church, the office that, that he established. So that's Matthias. And, you know, it's a, it, the psalm is so beautiful, Psalm 113. The Lord will give him a seat among the leaders of his people. Praise you, servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the mm. Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord both now and forever. From the rising of the sun to the setting in the, is the name of the Lord to be praised. High above all nations is the Lord. Above the heavens, his glory. Who is like the Lord our God who is enthroned on high and looks upon the heavens and the earth below? He raises up the lowly from the dust. From the dunghill, he lifts up the poor to seat them with princes, with the princes of his own people. Beautiful. The Psalms are so beautiful. And by the way, they're the prayer book that Jesus and Mary and Joseph used. Mm-hmm. So beautiful prayer book. In addition to the rosary, you know, Catholics, we, we should be praying the Psalms too. And at every mass, they read a Psalm. You know, Mary, what you're doing is you're thinking with the church. You're taking the liturgical calendar of the church, the readings at mass, and this is a beautiful way, even if you can't make Mass yourself, right. to at least read the readings right. and apply it to your life during that day. Right, during that day. Yeah. And that's, you know, the beautiful thing here, the obedience of the apostles, they follow Peter's lead. Mm-hmm. They're not arguing with him or, no. or um, bickering. It's, it's this, Jesus made Peter the head of the apostles. We'll put aside jealousy because jealousy is not of God. Yeah. And we will follow his lead. Yeah, yeah the whole word of dialogue I think in our modern world has become way out of control because we think that by just talking and discussing issues, things get done. And I don't see that in the early church. No, no. I see getting it done, the urgency of sharing the gospel. Exactly. It was urgent. It was urgent. And so we'll look at today's gospel because that's, again, it applies since Matthias was an apostle, the gospel the church chooses for his feast day. And this is the gospel chosen for his feast day applies to the mission of the apostle. Mm-hmm. So what do we have here? The apostle, the gospel of today is from the gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. Jesus said to his disciples, as the father loves me, so I also love you. Mm-hmm. Remain in my love. Mm-hmm. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, than to lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, I no longer call you slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my father. It was not you who chose me. It was I who chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain so that whatever you ask the father in my name he may give you. This I command you, love one another. 
the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Mary, you weren't here from the first hour that we talked about uh, shepherds as being like parents, like uh, I'm to lay my life down for you. If someone was to hurt you, I would put my body in front of that person and say, over my dead body. That's what I'm, that's my obligation, not in my opportunity to serve you, to protect you. And this scripture really applies also to our bishops, our pope, that as the bride of Christ is the church, that these shepherds are to teach, govern, and sanctify, and to defend the flock. I can't think of, I think of the unborn here that we have to protect because they're vulnerable. No one else is going to stand up for these unborn babies because they can't do it themselves. Right. They have no, they have no one to defend them. And, And Jesus says, you're going to call me my friends if you, if, if you, you, know, you, you lay down your life for me. And, and let's be honest. God is the author of life. Right. They're Jesus's friends. Yes, the children are. And, and Jesus made it very clear in the Gospels. He has a great love for little children. That's right. Let the children come to me. But by the way, God became a little baby. Yeah, you think? You know, he became a little baby. He showed us how precious life is from the very first moment of conception to the moment of natural death even if that natural death is caused by crucifixion, <laughs> yeah. you know, a most excruciating agony. And, and so life is precious at every moment. Mm. And euthanasia and, and abortion, the yeah. church has made it very clear, are crimes against life. And they're not, this is not a little thing. It's not a secondary issue. Nope. If you have not the right to life, you have no right. Exactly. Life is the gift, and it's it's. God's gift to us, mm-hmm. and it is for God to decide mm. who lives and dies. That's right. And God made us for Himself and for heaven, and He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. So He doesn't want us sinning. And by the way, it's not created things that keep us from God; it's sin that keeps us from God. But the way we use created things can be sinful, or it can be godly. Yeah. If I'm using created things, it's like Saint Ignatius says in his spiritual exercises: all things were created by God to help man to accomplish the end for which he was created. And the end for which man was created was to know, love, and serve the Lord his God. And by this means to gain eternal salvation. And so insofar as a created thing helps you to know, love, and serve the Lord God better, mm-hmm. then you can embrace it. Yeah. But if it's taking you away from God, then you need to reject it. And by the way, the Bible never says anywhere that money is the root of all evil. Ah, but it does say the love of money is the root of all evil, that covetousness, yeah. that wanting material things. It's, we weren't made for material things. We were made for God and for union with God. As somebody said, you're made for greatness. Do you understand the greatness for which we were made? We creatures are made for union with our creator. Mm. God wants to lift us up to his own level, to raise us to union. And if we don't defend the most defenseless of our, in our society, Jesus said, Whatever you do to the least of my brothers, Mm. you do to me. So if I haven't defended life, if I haven't defended the unborn babies, how am I going to stand before Jesus on the last day when he says, I was being murdered and you refused to defend me? Well said. We're going to take a quick break and stay with us at the Bible with the Barbers. I hope it is inspiring you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, because that's the purpose of Virgin Most Powerful Radio, to help you get to heaven. And we're using our family heirloom, the Bible and the catechism. They go together. Amen. You notice Mary always brings both of them. All right, stay with us. We'll be back with more 
on the Bible with the Barber. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, May 14th, the Feast of St. Matthias. St. Mm. Matthias, please pray for us. Amen. And so we're looking at um, the, the gospel of today, which is the gospel for the Feast of St. Matthias. And Jesus' command, he tells in verse 16 of today's gospel, in verse 16 of John 15, he tells us, that's part of today's gospel, you did not choose me, but I chose you mm-hmm. and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And so we want to comment a little on this, this fruit. What is this fruit? We're supposed to bear fruit. And in this, in this particular um, commentary here, it says that there are three ideas contained in these words of Jesus. One, that the calling which the apostles received and which every Christian also receives does not originate in the individual's good desire, but in Christ's free choice. It is not the apostle who chose the Lord as master in the way some would go about choosing a rabbi. It is Christ who chose them. So the idea that we want to do good or we're inspired to do good, that doesn't come from us. And, and Paul said that's why we should not take any pride in it because it's a free gift from God. It's God's choice. If we have faith, that's a gift from God. By the way, it's a gift that can be lost. We need to exercise faith, and the exercise of faith is prayer, and ask for it. My God, I believe in you. Increase thou my faith. We don't want to lose the gifts that God has given us, but any measure of desire or accomplishment is a gift from God. So it's, it's not, I didn't choose Christ. He chose me. And, and like Paul said, he said, look, I've been given a mission by Christ, so I have to preach the gospel. I am under a compulsion. Whether I do it willingly or unwillingly, I feel compelled because Christ is compelling us. We could ignore that. We can ignore our calling. There are dire consequences to doing that. And we don't want to do that. We want to please the Lord. We want to do what he wants us to do. And by the way, it's not, God didn't wait till we were pleasing to him. It's interesting in, in that gospel, it says, greater love no man has than to lay down his life for a friend. Well, greater love no man has, but God has greater love than any man because God laid down his life for us when he took to himself a human nature, when we were his enemies. We were not his friends. We were in sin. And by sin, we were enemies of God. And he came and died for us to reconcile us to the Father. So his love goes far beyond. And then he commands us to love one another as he has loved So he loved us first without us loving him. And it was his love that made us his friends. And so we're supposed to love our enemies. We are supposed to love our enemies. So there are three ideas contained in these words of Jesus. Number one, he didn't, we didn't choose him. He chose us. Okay. So um, the second idea is that the apostle's mission and the mission of every Christian is to follow Christ, to seek holiness okay he chose us he appointed us to go and bear fruit fruit that would abide so that whatever we ask in the father's name he may give it to you so 
The second idea is the apostle's mission and the mission of every Christian is to follow Christ, to seek holiness and to contribute to the spread of the gospel. And I think I've quoted that before from, and maybe not here on the show, maybe it's in my app listener questions that I answer. And this is a paraphrase of, of uh, this book two in the Code of Canon Law. I believe it's canon, um, shoot, I think it was 110. But it says, and this is a paraphrase, all the Christian faithful by their baptism are called to live a holy life and promote the growth of the church and her continual sanctification. That's our duty as Christians. It's not just the duty of the priests and the bishops and the religious. It's the duty of every Christian. The idea that I can live a worldly life and, and let everybody else sacrifice for me. No, this, the church is not a welfare state, okay? Yes, we're, we're getting in on Christ's merits. Christ is the one who got merited for us, salvation. But we have to cooperate in our own sanctification, if we don't say yes to God, if we don't strive daily to say yes to God and do the hard work of overcoming our own flesh and the world and the devil, the temptations in life, we're not going to get there, okay? Then that's very biblical. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not just making that up. You know, Paul said, pray for me. Pray for me that after having preached to others, I myself may not fall away. It's not once saved, always saved. I could believe the gospel fully and lose my faith. I have to strive daily to overcome my own flesh first and also the world, the temptations of the world and the temptations of the devil. And I need God's help for that. I need the angels. That's why he gave us all a guarding angel. And that's very biblical too. Jesus said, remember to love the little children and remember that the face of their angel, their, their angels see the face of God always. So you have a guarding angel at your side and your guarding angel is always in God's presence, but he's still at your side because he's not bound by time and space, <laughs> okay? So, so the Christian, number one, I didn't choose the Lord. The second idea is the apostle's mission and the mission of every Christian is to follow Christ, to seek holiness and contribute to the spread of the gospel. And the third refers to the teaching, I'm sorry, the third teaching refers to the effectiveness of prayer done in Christ, in the name of Christ, which is why the church usually ends the prayers of the liturgy with the invocation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I know some people say, well, this isn't grammatically incorrect. So they were put the words we ask in front of that. No, the point of the prayer is we're, this is given to us. Everything that God gives to us comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Apart from Jesus Christ, our Lord, there's no grace. It all comes through Jesus. Even anyone, it's like that. That's why the teaching, no salvation outside the church, it means that anyone who is saved is saved by Jesus Christ. His intercession and his mediation, the grace of salvation comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everything that we ask for from the Father comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the church is asking, acknowledging that everything that we receive as a grace comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so she ends her prayers this way. And that's, that's what we're, you know, we're being told to bear fruit and the fruit that should abide. And so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. And again, that's why the church asks in Jesus' holy name. Okay, in Jesus' holy name. Because it is through Jesus that everything comes to us. So we're supposed to bear this fruit. I said, well, how do I bear fruit? What do I do? And I, Terry told that story briefly of the woman in Poland. Mm -hmm. These people are standing outside 
they're praying the chaplet of mercy for um, the Polish legislators and people to recognize and realize that we can't break God's law and expect to have peace in our society. Right. And they're praying the chaplet of mercy. And this this activist, this LGBT activist, it was a woman, young woman. She's got a rainbow flag and a rainbow mask on. And she comes up and these people are praying and she starts, um, she's got her music playing and she's you know, singing out loud or shouting out loud and she's smoking a cigarette and she's, and she's right behind these people. And this 83-year-old woman just, she finally just, and, and granted, okay, what is our response? What happens? And Terry's been to these situations at the CCD Congress mm-hmm. where there are these people standing outside the CCD Congress with signs that the Catholic Church is the whore of Babylon and Catholics are going to hell. Mm-hmm. And people going to the Congress, catechists, these are supposed to be catechists of the Catholic Church, are yelling and arguing wait a minute, is this the way to spread the gospel? Well, what are we spreading when we start yelling and arguing? And so this old woman in Poland, she shows us. Mm-hmm. She didn't yell at this young woman. She didn't argue. She begins to weep. And she turns around. The young woman was right behind her. I saw the video. She's yeah. right behind her. She turns around. She kneels down on the sidewalk and she kisses the young woman's feet. This young woman was absolutely mortified. When this, young, when this old lady kneels down at her feet right away, she's already, the young woman is bending down. And she's like, oh my gosh. And then she kneels down on the sidewalk next to the old woman. And she sees the old woman crying. And she's like, no, no, don't cry, don't cry. And the old woman is explaining. For 83 years, I've fought for my country. For what? The Polish people, the old, they love Christ and his church for the truth to triumph in their country. And now she sees the young people being dragged into this lie that I can decide for myself who I am and what I am. It's no longer that I have a dignity because I'm made in God's image as a person to be loved and he made us male and female. It's whatever I decide. Mm. And this old woman knows this is a lie. She knows these young people are being, and she's weeping and she's weeping. And the young woman actually embraced her. Hmm. She embraced her and she lifts her up. So you see that by the old woman's compassion for her desire to want to, to, to touch the soul of this, that Christ would touch the soul of this young woman and bring her out of darkness, the young woman is already touched. She sees an old woman kneeling at her feet and she doesn't kick her. She embraces her and lifts her up and then gets an explanation and she listens to her. And in the end, when the old woman goes to make the sign of the cross, the young woman makes the sign of the cross along with her. Beautiful. And, 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 and so, so this old woman, she's showing the face of Christ yes. in her compassion. And this is one of the things we need to realize as Christians. How can we bear fruit that will last if we're going around with sad faces mm. that, oh, we're so miserable. Mm. The gospel is so hard. We just can't follow Christ's teachings. The church has to change the teachings of Christ because it's just too hard. Well, who's going to be attracted? How can we attract people mm. unless there's a joy that comes from us? And that's one of the other things Jesus addresses here, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Where is this joy? How can we bear fruit if we are joyless, sad sack Christians? Mm. There was a saint who once said, um, Mm -hmm. Lord, preserve us from sad sack saints. (laughs) Now, what's interesting about that is Christ didn't come to eradicate human suffering. 
So everybody out there who's suffering is saying, okay, smarty pants, Mrs. Barber, how am I supposed to be joyful in the midst of my sufferings? Well, I had a witness. I had a, a man sit next to me in church last night and witness to that. Yeah. He came in and he witnessed to me of how he found joy in the midst of his suffering. Mm. And we've read stories also, Chiara Corbella Portrio, A Witness to Joy. That's the title of the book about her. She died in 2014 of cancer of the face. Mm. And I've spoken about her before. Yeah, you have. Get the book, Chiara. It's, it's, it's Italian, so it's C-H-I-A-R-A, Chiara. The Italian C-H is said K. And as she was dying, people came to see her, even though her face was disfigured, because of the joy that exuded from her. And so this man came up to me in church last night and he's a gentleman who used to come to my Bible I know studies. him well, yeah. And I haven't seen him for several years. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I didn't know what was going on or what had happened. And so he, he shows me these scars on his head. And I thought, right. oh, my gosh, you were in an accident. You had some kind of surgery. And he said, I had an aneurysm. That can kill a person. That could kill a person. And, and many people do. And I guess sometimes aneurysms aren't operable. Yeah. So his apparently was. So we want to finish the story of how he found joy in the midst of his sufferings. Um. Powerful. Mary, I just want to remind everybody tomorrow's a seminar on evangelization. How to share your faith. Love to talk Go to vmpr.org to register, and we'd love to have you there. And I think you're going to learn a lot. Thanks for staying with us on the Bible with the Bible. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners on um, Stations of the Cross Radio and all of our listeners on the app and all the social media platforms that do carry us. And I want to thank you for all of those who you support us, especially those who support us um, with their prayers and their sacrifices. That means so much. And uh, we're telling uh, the story here about how, how is it that we can go and bear fruit and how can we bear fruit if we have no joy in our life? Mm. And how can we have joy in the midst of suffering? So this man came up to me in church last night and he was telling me, and this is a gentleman who'd been coming to my Bible study and then he didn't come anymore and I haven't seen him for a couple of years and I didn't know what went on. And it turned out that back in 2018, he had a surgery for an aneurysm. He had a brain aneurysm. And he said that, you know, after the surgery, he was just living in a fog. He, he, he had to relearn everything. Wow. When they go in and do surgery on the brain sometimes, when, you know, depending on where it yeah. is in the brain, um, you have to relearn how to walk, how mm -hmm. to talk. How to, and he had lost so much. He had lost so much of, of um, everything. And he right. had to relearn everything. And he, was just, he said, I felt like I was, just, I was just saying, God, why didn't you just take me? Why didn't you just let me die? Why do I have to go through all this? But he was in a sense, he was rebelling against his suffering. Mm-hmm. And then as he was going through the process of healing and, and coming back and regaining some of his memory and things, he had, he had been keeping journals since he, was con he had a conversion experience in mm -hmm. 2013 and he had been keeping journals. And he started going back and reading his journals. That's and that led him to prayer. Mm. And in prayer, that led him to be grateful to God even in the midst of his sufferings. And when he started being grateful to God even in the midst of his sufferings, guess what he found? He found joy. Mm. 
And you could see it in oh, him last beaming. night. He was beaming. As he spoke, he was beaming. And he had this beautiful smile. And it's just, it's not like I'm saying, oh, I love suffering. Just give me more suffering. He's saying, no, I embrace the suffering in union with Christ. God has a purpose for it. And, and, and then he found joy. And this is so true. This is like Kiara. Kiara knew that her suffering would bring salvation of souls. Christ endured his suffering in view of the glory, in view of the joy that lay ahead of him. He endured the shame of the cross. Yeah. He didn't endure the shame of the cross for the sake of the shame of the cross. No. He wasn't embracing suffering because he was a masochist. He was embracing suffering for the sake of the salvation of souls. Yeah. If souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls are lost, everything is lost. It is so important that we get the true gospel and not a watered down version of it or not a version that that pleases my emotions or pleases the cultural milieu that we live in. We have to preach the gospel that Christ preached. Right. And there's a a beautiful story about a a young woman who had tuberculosis and she didn't want to die. And a priest came into her hospital room and she said, Father, don't talk to me about death. I don't want to die. And he said, well, um, you know, I understand that you're suffering and I will pray that you be healed. But would you be willing to offer your sufferings for a priest? The priest happens to be your brother. And he asked me to come and ask you if you could offer your sufferings for him. And she said, well, I'll try. And she said, but don't tell him. So a few days later, she was allowed to go home from the hospital, but, you know, and and they had done what they could for her. So then it was go home and see what happens. And she lived for six months. But in that six months, her whole attitude, her whole heart, her whole life was transformed. It was transformed into joy because now her suffering wasn't meaningless. Her suffering had meaning and it made her joyful and it became her means of bearing fruit and fruit that would endure because now she was offering her sufferings for her brother, the priest, that his priesthood, that he would be faithful and, and persevering in his priesthood and that his, his priesthood would be fruitful. So now she's bearing fruit. And this is true of anyone who suffers. Our sufferings can be fruitful. Bishop Sheen once said that our hospitals could become like spiritual nuclear power plants if people in the hospital would unite their sufferings to Christ yep. and and be and and offer them in union with Jesus crucified for the salvation of souls mm-hmm. and so how is it we're going to bear fruit that will last we need to be in union with Christ and by the way there are ways of being in union with Christ we have to pray we need to give up our sins we need to be faithful to the duties of our state and life. And, you know, Terry was asked to review a book about Padre Pio. And mm-hmm. he was reading in there that um, he read a part to me. And it talked about the fact that, you know, in the midst of darkness and confusion, oftentimes we just kind of start feeling sorry for ourselves. And what we don't recognize is that these moments, the moments of darkness, the moments of confusion are actually opportunities opportunities for us to invite God into our heart and expand our heart to make more room for himself. You see, I can't sanctify myself. Only God can do that. Christ chose me. I didn't choose him. He called me. I didn't call him, Hmm. but he wants to live in and through me. What was it Paul said? I live 
Not I. Now not I, right. but Christ right. lives in me. Yep. And so this is what we're striving for. And there's a purpose to it. The purpose is the salvation of souls. And the fruit will be the salvation of souls. And by the way, it will transform the world. You know, was it Dostoevsky? Terry was reading to me. Dostoevsky <laughs> once wrote that beauty will transform the world. That's right. And the person was asking, can <laughs> beauty really transform the modern world? Uh-huh. Well, who is the origin of beauty? God. Yep. God is the origin. God is joy. You know, God doesn't have joy because of something that we do. God is joy. God mm. is the origin of joy. God is the origin of all created things. And so God in himself has joy because he is joy. He, he's not a solitude unto himself. And so maybe sometimes we forget this. We kind of think of God as up there in his heaven and he's all alone. And he's not all alone. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We cannot know this by the light of our human reason. This is a gift of faith yeah. and only that God revealed it to us. Mm -hmm. We couldn't know this except that God revealed it to us. But we can know that God is the origin of all beauty and all truth and all goodness and everything that is through the light of our natural reason. And so, yes, if God is, by the way, the source of all salvation, then yes, and he's the source of all beauty, then yes, beauty can save the world because God can save the world. Mm. And so we want to enter into this communion with God. And how do we do that? We have to do that through prayer. Every day, what is prayer? Prayer isn't just rattling off words to take up a time. You know, it's like, okay, we got 15 minutes. Quick, let's pray this rosary. No, that, that's saying the rosary. And, and there's, a mm. you know, reciting the rosary. There's, you know, it's not a bad thing, but... It's supposed to be a loving conversation with one who loves us. It's supposed to go deeper than recitation of prayer. We're supposed to enter into a conversation, even in praying the rosary. The Hail Marys are the background music. Although when I was a child, I remember my father would notice if we were particularly distracted during prayer. And he would sit us down after the rosary and he would talk to us about prayer. And he would talk to us about how to meditate on the Hail Mary. He said, have you ever thought about the words that you're saying, Hail Mary, full of grace. What does it mean to be full of grace? And he took a vessel and he said, if this vessel was full, there's no room for anything else. Mm -hmm. Our lady was full of grace. Mm -hmm. She's full of God, <laughs> you know, and, and also of his help. She, she, never, she never opposed God in anything. She only let God have his way in her. And so we pray in order to enter into this union with God, enter into this conversation. And we think about the prayers and also the mysteries that they represent. What is the mystery of the Annunciation? The angel comes to her and says, Hail, you who, are, who have the fullness of grace, already filled with grace, you continue in grace and will continue in grace until the end of time and for all eternity because you are united to God. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And Mary's deeply troubled. So we're meditating on this mystery. What is this mystery? God is fulfilling his promise that even though man sinned and turned his back on God, he's not going to leave man to himself. He's not going to abandon us to our sin. He wants to save us from sin. But guess what? It's a free will choice. Amen. The blessed mother was free. She had the freedom to say no mm -hmm. to God. Yep. That should make us all tremble. 
and make us all humble before God and thank him most profoundly that she didn't say no, that she cooperated with that grace. How many times have we said no to God and sinned? But you know what? That's what confession is all about, isn't it? We go to confession. We confess our sins. We're sinners. Jesus didn't come to remove suffering, and he didn't come to remove the effects of original sin. (laughs) He came to free us from the power of sin, that it could no longer have power over us if we would turn our life over to God, if we would reorient ourselves to God. But that's a free will choice we have to make. Yeah, that's why Bishop Sheen always said, the only value in saying yes to God is you have freedom to say no. And so that's why we don't, God doesn't send us to heaven or to hell. We make that decision to follow him or reject him. Right. So it's amazing how, how powerful free will is. And you know, when I think about it, Mary, I think about even commitments like marriage. I had made a commitment to you. Right. That was a free choice that I made. You made a free choice to say, I take you. Right. And that's binding. That's binding. And when I made that free choice to take Terry, that means I say no to every other man on the face of this earth. Right. There's only one man for me. Mm-hmm. And, and he is the same. He said no to every other woman on that's earth. Right. But, my, but me. Yep. So, and that's it. We belong to each other. Yep. And we re- you have to renew that commitment. You have to, it's just, and like prayer, you have to spend time together. You mm-hmm. can't build a relationship. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm in love and I'm going to be in love forever. No, as Bishop Sheen said, your love won't last because it's strong. It will last because you have the power to renew it. We renew it in sacrifice. We renew it in daily service. We renew it by renewing our marriage vows on a regular basis. We renew it in the children that God blessed us with. We renew it in service to those outside of our family by serving others and trying to breed in gospel to them. Well said. Hey, I hear the music. My gosh, it goes by fast. One more segment. Stay with us here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, the Bible with the Barbers. I hope you're falling deeper in love with Jesus through his Holy Word, Bible, that's the goal we have here at Virgin Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, May the 14th. And we are talking about how are we supposed to go and bear fruit? And how are we going to bear fruit if we don't have joy? And where does that joy come from that makes us fruitful and that spreads that fruit? So, and Terry mentioned I have the catechism and I do. And I looked up some things, you know, some commentaries um, that, you know, what is Christ's joy? But that he, he delight, he deigns to rejoice on our account. And then what is our joy? But to have fellowship with him. Okay, so Christ rejoices on our account and we have fellowship with him. And where does that joy come from? Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Catechism paragraph 30 says, and that's a quote from um, Psalm 105, verse three. Although man can forget God or reject him, he never ceases to call every man. God never ceases to call every man to seek him so as to find life and happiness. God is the source of our joy. But this search for God demands of man every effort of intellect, a sound will, an upright heart, as well as the witness of others who teach him to seek God. That's why, you know, how can the gospel be preached unless someone is sent? And we can't be sent if we're not called. 
And St. Augustine wrote, You are great, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. Great is your power and your wisdom is without, great is your power and your wisdom is without measure. And man, so small a part of your creation, wants to praise you. This man, though clothed with mortality and bearing the evidence of sin and the proof that you withstand the proud, despite everything, man, though but a small, but a small a part of your creation, wants to praise you. You yourself encourage him to delight in your praises. For you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. And so that's from St. Augustine. So what are the obstacles to this joy? Well, sin. We can sin against God by indifference. Indifference that neglects or refuses to reflect on divine charity. It fails to consider its prevenient goodness and denies its power. So do we reflect on God's charity? Do we realize that God is truly good? Or are we buying into the lie of the enemy, the devil, who tells us, oh, no, God isn't good. He's keeping things from you. He's trying to make you miserable. You know, he doesn't want you to, 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 to he wants you to keep these Ten Commandments because he just doesn't want you to have any fun. No, the keeping of the Ten Commandments is actually what gives us freedom. Following God's law is what gives us freedom. God is the source of our joy. God made us. He didn't have to make us. But the world, the flesh, and the devil, and by the way, this is one of the things we need to do is stop complaining. You know, um, like that man who had the, the aneurysm surgery and was in such a fog for, it took him quite a long time to recover from that surgery and be able to come back. But he realized in embracing his suffering, he found joy in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When we embrace the suffering and stop complaining, when my mother-in-law was dying and my sister-in-law said, what are we going to give up? The word complaining came out of my mouth. And you're kind of like, well, wait a minute, who said that? And I, was like, and no, I realized immediately, yes, Lord, that's what I have to give up. I need to stop complaining. I need to stop grumbling about the little things that don't go right. And, and now what Terry read to me last week about recognizing in all the little things that don't go right, an opportunity to me to say to the Lord, Lord, expand my heart so that I can receive more of you. What's another way that we sin against God, against God's love? Ingratitude. Ingratitude fails or refuses to acknowledge divine charity and to return him love for love. God is love and he loves us. He's only capable of loving. He loves his enemies, but his enemies don't love him. It's love that changes everything. It's when we accept the love of God for us that things begin to change and we begin to experience joy. We sin against God's love with lukewarmness. Lukewarmness is a hesitation or negligence in responding to divine love. It can apply refusal to give oneself over to the promptings of charity. Lukewarmness, that indifference that just says, you know, uh, tomorrow, another time. I'm going to go see a movie right now. I'm just going to eat another ice cream sundae. No, let's make a decision. And for people who have you know, different personality types, there's one, phlegmatics, they have a hard time making decisions. But make a decision for the Lord and keep it. And give up some of your entertainments. But definitely we need to discipline our minds and our hearts and our wills to give up the inner dialogue that encourages us to be lukewarm. We need to be fervent and ask God for the grace to be fervent in our faith. What's another way we can sin against God's love? Acedia. And acedia is spiritual sloth. And it goes so far as to refuse the joy that comes from God and, to be, and it is repelled by divine goodness. You see, acedia is that vice 
that makes us sad when we realize that the spiritual life is an arduous task. Mm -hmm. We want to refuse the joy that comes from God. By the way, there's joy in that arduous task. Ask any athlete, is it difficult? Yes, but why do they keep on striving? Because of the goal. The, the Olympic athletes, in the hopes of winning a gold medal, a passing thing. You know, as St. Paul said, the athletes deny themselves all sorts of things in order to gain a crown that is perishable. And yes, even your silver and gold and bronze medals are perishable. They're passing things. And ascedia is a spiritual sloth. It's not, it's not sloth. It's not laziness. Ascedia is that sadness that we feel when we realize that the spiritual life is an arduous task, and so we draw back from it. I'm not going to work that hard. Wake up and work that hard. Ask the Lord for the grace to fight ascedia. It is a sin against God's, God's love. And what is another sin against God's love? Hatred of God, mm. which comes out of pride, by the way. This was Satan's problem, wasn't it? I will not serve. He hated God because God's plan, he thought, was too humbling for him. It is, a, it is contrary to love of God, whose goodness it denies, and whom it presumes to curse as the one who forbids sin and inflicts punishment. Interesting, isn't it? Do we read our catechism? That's Catechism of the Catholic Church 2094, and it shows you the sins against love. And the thin, these sins destroy joy. They destroy joy in us, and that joy destroys the fruit, any fruit that might have come from our efforts in the Lord. You know, Mary, I'm, I'm relating this to the fruit of love of marriage. When we selfishly live for ourselves, right. we have no love. Exactly. It's all about me. Yeah. And not we. <laughs> and so... What? Right. Yeah. So anyhow, just that connection. And I'm, I'm thinking, again, earlier in the week on Virgin Most Powerful, we did a show on what the catechism has to say about marriage. Yeah. And that it's a solution to the problems of the depopulation going on worldwide because people are afraid to have children. Right. And one of the reasons we talk about the reason that we're afraid of children is because it's going to interfere into our pleasure. Right. Uh, you know, we can't go on vacation. We can't have a nice car, house, whatever. Or it's going to demand sacrifice. sacrifice. It's going to demand that I give up my nailed, pride. It's going to give up my, I have to give up my selfishness. Yeah. I have to rise above my own weakness. I have to overcome myself in the middle of the night and get up and take care of a little baby rather than getting a night's sleep. Oh, gee. You know, I, I, people nowadays, it's like, I, I'm too tired to take care of the baby. Can, can I get a babysitter now? And it's like, well, wait a minute, honey. You wanted the baby. The baby needs you. They need, they you. need you 24 hours a day. Yeah. It, it's not, you know, once you become a parent, it's not, okay, I'll be a parent from, um, to, from six in the morning till five in the evening, or I'll be a parent from five in the evening till nine in the evening, or I'll, okay, I'll, I'll get up during the night with the baby. If someone else would take care of the baby all day. That's not being a parent. That child needs you 24 hours a day. And, and it's not like, it's not a little animal. It's not a dog that you can train. And, and at two years of age, it's going to be an adult. No. That child needs you to guide and direct them from now into adulthood. And if you don't take care of their needs as an infant, they may never be able to emotionally become an adult. And marriage is, it, it is. Marriage is the, the beautiful image on earth of the love of the Trinity, 
that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have for themselves, and also an image on earth of the love that Jesus Christ has mm. for his church, which is sacrificial, yeah. the willingness to give up. And this is, how are we going to bear fruit? How did the apostles bear fruit? Through sacrifice. When Paul persecuted the church to the point of death, people gave their lives. The blood of Christians, the, the blood of martyrs is the seed of Christians. That is what bears fruit. And, and, and maybe there's a white martyrdom. Our blessed mother didn't shed her blood, but she stood at the foot of the cross, didn't she, honey? Mm-hmm. That's called white martyrdom. Yeah. St. John, the evangelist, the apostle, he, he also didn't shed his blood. Now they tried. <laughs> they tried to martyr him. But no, he had stood at the foot of the cross. Yeah. And that's what we're all called to do. Stand at the foot of the cross. And some of those at the foot of the cross will be martyred. Blood martyrdom. And like the beautiful little Chinese girl who when the Chinese communists took over and she went for 40 nights, she went climb back into the window of the church to consume the host that had been scattered on the floor. And on the 40th night, she gained the crown of martyrdom, the greatest joy. Hmm. And that will bear fruit. That will bear fruit for all eternity. And we don't, we, we may not see the fruit, but we will bear fruit through our joyfulness in the Lord. And that joyfulness comes from embracing the cross As it comes to us, we don't have to go look for it. As it comes to us in the duties of our state in life. And so read your catechism, study your catechism. And by the way, if you want to know about, you know, joy in the Lord, if you look up joy in the Lord on on the Internet, I actually printed out nine pages of quotes from the Bible (laughs) of, you know, that refer to joy in the Lord. There's so much joy in Scripture. I mean, Scripture is joy because it's about God. It's God's love letter to us. I mean, who doesn't want a love letter from someone who loves them? Mm. And, and it brings great joy. I remember when I was in college and this young woman and this young man had met and then um, she was living in California. He was um, living in another state, but he had come to visit his sister who was living in California. It was his sister who set him up to meet. And he wrote letters to her every day and she would get these letters and oh, it was just, I mean, she was just bubbling over and reading and these, and these were pages long. Hmm. He was writing these letters and it was just amazing, you know, and, and they ended up getting married and, and having a family, beautiful, beautiful family. And it just, but, but the joy that she had in receiving this letter, well, do we see the scriptures as God's love letter to us? Hmm. God is speaking to us of his love for us. that he desires us to share in his love and his life for all of time and for all eternity. Well said. I want to thank again everybody who's been donating money for our new supplies, new new equipment that we're getting here at Virgin Most Powerful. You can go to vmpr.org or you can call us at 877-526-2151. Remember, tomorrow at 11 o'clock, Saturday, what is that, the 11th? The 15th. 15th. Saturday the 15th. That's when we're having our evangelization conference. It's free. How to share your faith with anyone. I'll be there for you, and it'll help you evangelize fallen away relatives or friends. Starts at 11 o'clock in the morning, Pacific Coast time. We'll be done in a couple, three hours, and I think you're going to enjoy it because I sure enjoyed doing it. And thank you all those of you who pray and sacrifice for us. And tomorrow's the new tax day, I guess. So if you haven't done your taxes yet, quick, get them done. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. And please join us again. And tell your friends. And like this and share it. And let everybody know 